episode of Vegan for the Culture, where foodies can come together over vegan cooking, wellness, and cultures from around the world. My name is Mahalit, but my friends call me Mahi, and I'm a wellness content creator and coach who helps people learn how to fuel their success through spices, recipes, and wellness wisdom from cultures around the world. In today's episode, we're going to be going back to the basics and talking about why our culture should be at the center of our wellness. I'm so excited to be back recording. I feel like it has been a minute since I've done a Vegan for the Culture episode and I just wanted to bring it back to really the foundation of this podcast and the work I do with Just One Gursha. Our culture deserves to be at the center of our health and wellness journey. In the Western world, so often we've seen diet plans and guides and, you know, like all these fitness celebrities promoting ways of eating that really exclude our cultural foods and our cultural wellness practices. Foods that aren't easy enough to measure their macronutrients, so things that don't come in packages and wrappers are often disincentivized. And for those of us who grew up eating cultural foods that are made with a variety of foreign ingredients that, you know, I don't know, the calories or nutrition content to, it could feel like having a healthy eating practice is one that completely excludes those foods. But I truly believe that it's actually by centering our wellness around our cultural foods and practices that we are able to create more sustainable and long-lasting wellness habits. And in my own journey, I have seen that having a culture-centered approach to my wellness has created habits that are not only more long-lasting, that are, I mean, how many 5x, 6x, 7x more impactful than any kind of diet or meal guide or anything that I've tried before. Um, And it also allowed me to reconnect with the fullness of myself and my body's needs and have a deeper understanding of that. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about a few different reasons why centering our culture and our wellness is not only most impactful, but also creates the most sustainable and long-lasting change in our wellness journey. And I'm not just saying this because I teach this in my courses and workbooks and content. I am saying this because I've experienced it myself in my own wellness journey. So the first area I want to cover is that culture-centered wellness is sustainable wellness. Diets, crash diets, programs, meal guides that are created for short periods of time might create the change that you want to see within that period, but they're not often the kinds of wellness practices you can implement over four, six, eight, 12 months at a time, right? And if you can't do something for that long of a period of time, it really isn't sustainable. It's something that creates that temporary satisfaction, meets those temporary goals. And so our culture is something that 
is part of our lives for the entire year, right? We have holidays, you have family gatherings, you might have certain recipes you eat at certain times of year, um, you might have other seasonal or religious celebrations that involve food. And so the reason why diets and meal plans that exclude cultural foods can't last is because you'll often bump up against these kinds of events or things that are incredibly important to your life and your well-being and your time with your family and loved ones. And so when these two things clash, guess which one is winning? It's usually not the diet or if it is the diet, you remain really resentful of that diet or meal plan because you recognize that it's taken away a joy or an experience that you would have otherwise had. Now, if we have the kinds of wellness practices that include our cultural foods, they not only allow grace for these moments, but these moments can kind of seamlessly be incorporated into our wellness journey, a holiday is suddenly not a road bump or an obstacle or something that you feel challenged by, um, but instead it just becomes another day of eating in your schedule because your culture is already at the center of the way in which you're achieving your wellness goals. But not only that, it allows you to maintain your goals while eating in abundance at these events. That's absolutely what I realized in my own journey. I feel that before I would have so much hesitation around what I was consuming around Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter, especially Easter um, and other special events, weddings even, because I felt that all of the cultural foods I was quote-unquote indulging in were an impediment to the wellness goals that I was trying to reach. So a lot of times I would be cushioning these events with unhealthy crash diets and ways of eating that would kind of get me down really slim or get me ahead of the event before I inevitably got to the event. Um, and then but after the event, I'd find myself wanting to continue to eat in this kind of like unhealthy way and continue this indulgence, which then created a whole other negative cycle. But my culture was the very thing that encouraged me to go vegan in the first place. I was introduced to veganism in fasting seasons in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, where you eat a diet that is completely excludes all animal products for weeks before a religious holiday. And so I knew when I made the decision to try and go vegan for the first time that I would have an abundance of foods in my in my culture that I could eat from. I actually felt like there was a lot more vegan options in Ethiopian cuisine than there was in American cuisine, whatever that really is. I feel like it's such a melting pot. And I felt comfortable that I would be at events and there would be food there and I wouldn't have to be concerned about tracking anything or trying to use an app to look at macros. And it just felt like I could very seamlessly enjoy events with my family without feeling isolated. And so bringing in your cultural foods, especially those cultural plant-based foods, even if you are not vegan, I have no interest in going plant-based, 
Every culture around the world has an abundance of delicious plant-based foods. That is just the reality of it. And I really believe that this is the easiest way to bring cultural eating into your diet without feeling like you're sacrificing your wellness goals because we know these foods are nourishing. We know they're going to feel good for your body. And we know that they're going to really touch on your exact um kind of like the biology that's in your gut if you think about it all the bacteria in our gut is kind of custom designed based on the foods our ancestors ate and wherever um, our parents grew up and all of these factors and so in order to have more wellness and feel more alignment in what we eat we have to be catering to those foods and a diet that excludes cultural foods cannot fulfill those things for us so incorporating your cultural foods into your diet will help you create more sustainable wellness habits and practices that will be long lasting Number two, incorporating cultural foods and putting culture at the center of your wellness also invites your loved ones into your practice instead of isolating them. Now this is a huge challenge on anyone's wellness journey is trying to feel like you're not isolated from your family, your friends, or other loved ones as you're trying to reach your health goals. And when you center your wellness around your culture, it becomes a lot easier to invite people in because you're eating foods and participating in practices that are really familiar to them. Um, but also it just allows for more expansiveness, right? When culture is at the center of your wellness, it allows room for exploration and you can use the knowledge and wisdom and recipes of your loved ones to continue to propel your wellness journey forward. And that's a really meaningful way of inviting people in. I've shared so many beautiful moments with family members, family friends, and anyone else who would give me cooking and recipe advice um, because I was very vocal about wanting to have more cultural foods into my vegan eating, into my vegan wellness. Um, and recipes and advice just kind of pours out of people when they know that's your intention. A lot of times when we are looking at a diet plan or a meal guide or something outside, the people in our lives don't feel like they can really um, engage around food with us because they feel excluded from kind of like that source of information that you're relying on. But when the source of information you're relying on is your culture, they suddenly have something to add. They suddenly have a way to engage with you and actively contribute to your wellness as well. And this is how we create this closeness and beauty of community-fueled wellness practices. A wellness journey is not about individual discipline and hustle and grind. That is a really small element to caring for ourselves. It is a lot about connecting with who we are as people and also using our wellness as a way to better serve and be there for our communities. And so when you're using your culture as an authority, other people are able to participate and offer knowledge to pass on to you as part of that. And I feel like that just makes it a million times easier to be 
successful. I can't tell you how many diets I tried before that, you know, no family member was actively supporting or understanding or providing information for. But in eating in a culturally centered, vegan way, I have found so much deeper connection with the people around me. And I really feel like I've been able to invite them in so much so that people feel more inspired to eat more vegan and plant-based foods, um, even when we're not together. And so if you want to start with your very first step at navigating how to add these cultural flavors into your foods, you can go ahead and download my free three-day guide. It's a three-day flavor challenge that helps you explore the kinds of flavors and cuisines that you most love and then helps you break down how to identify those spices and herbs and then how to learn how to season these foods to help you cook plant-based food without spending a lot of time in the kitchen because flavor is truly the secret of cooking quick and delicious plant-based meals. Go ahead and check out the show notes in order to get your free three-day flavor challenge and I can't wait to see the kind of delicious meals I see you all cooking up on social media. And so the third point that I wanted to make about centering our wellness around our culture was that it also allows us to integrate our full selves into this area of growth. If we're trying to approach our health and wellness in a way that ignores our culture, it really ignores a part of our identity and it perpetuates this idea that we have to ignore or put aside our culture in order to be successful in an area of our lives. I want you to think of of that message that we're telling ourselves that we must shrink a part of our identity or put aside a part of our identity in order to be successful in a certain area of our lives. And this belief that we perpetuate in the food and wellness space is of course not limited to food and wellness. It seeps into every other area of our life. And I am actively working on and learning this. One really simple way that this has shown up was that incorporating my cultural foods into my health and wellness also allowed me to question other areas where I was maybe excluding my culture or creating this kind of cognitive dissonance with my culture. Now, I grew up in not even a bilingual household. I grew up in a non-English speaking household. I only spoke Amharic um, at home to my parents and at school was where I spoke and learned English. And because of that, sometimes it was easy to, you know, separate parts of myself that were for the English speaking world and for the Amharic speaking world that I experienced at home and in my community around me. But when food, like Ethiopian food, started to finally permeate that boundary, growing up, Ethiopian food was something we ate at home like every day, at least once a day usually. And But I would never take Ethiopian food to school. It was always taking like sandwiches or other American food to school. Ethiopian food was at home and in my community. And then other foods were for school in that environment. And so going vegan and exploring my cultural foods, 
I started to finally break this barrier that I recognized and would bring my Ethiopian food into like law school for lunch. Was it something I was doing for the first time? I'd never done that in college. I'd never done that in high school or elementary school growing up. But in law school, I would start to bring Ethiopian food to school. And then I started to do it to work after I graduated from law school. And then I started to wonder about other parts of myself. Now, when I had started school in kindergarten, I certainly walked in pronouncing my name the way it said in Amharic in Ethiopia, which is Mahalit. But at some point, an adjusted American pronunciation of it kind of came about, and that pronunciation is Malet. Most people who have been to school with me, who have met me amongst friends, have met me as Malet. I've introduced myself as Malet for most 26, no, I mean like 21 years, right? Starting from when I went to school and started to finally learn English until like really in the last year. And as a part of my vegan and wellness journey, I've also started to kind of reclaim and re-embrace the traditional pronunciation of my name in English settings as well. So the nine to five that I currently work in, in a law firm, everybody says Mahalit or Mahi. And Mahi is like the traditional nickname for Mahalit. It's kind of like the, you know how in America, the nickname for Richard is Dick. So people assume that's your nickname or like Peggy for Margaret. Um, that's how Mahi is for Mahalit, and I actually really love Mahi, and I love hearing people call me that, but I really, it hit me how impactful it is to have people pronounce your name correctly when I actually started to see it happen and started to work in an English-speaking space where that was happening, and it was just another area of growth I was able to explore because I was centering, centering my culture in my wellness journey and so that allowed me to question okay what er other areas of my life am I maybe excluding or silencing my culture from and the pronunciation of my name was absolutely one of them but I think just for so long I was able to have this cognitive dissonance right like the English-speaking world could say my name one way and it, it just it didn't seem real or I didn't seem as attached to it and then the Amharic-speaking world would say it the right way, which made me feel so so much closer and so much more recognized and seen and appreciated. Um, and now it's really cool to just reclaim the pronunciation and to see how willing people are to embrace that fullness. And I just want to encourage you all that as you're centering your culture in your wellness, whether that's making more culturally inspired foods, using certain spices or herbs, I just want to encourage you that those who really love and support you, those who are really on your team, they are going to be excited and supportive and cheering you on and learning how to pronounce those ingredients and dishes with you, you will be truly surprised at how excited people are to see and embrace the most authentic version of yourself.
And I think that's really what it comes down to is that we cannot have a wellness journey that's nourishing to us on the inside and out if we are not being our true authentic selves and showing up as that. Because when we are allowed to step into that power, then we give other people the permission to do so as well. And so I hope you all feel inspired about exploring more cultural foods and wellness practices about having these conversations with your family members and loved ones. If you are curious about exploring more cultural recipes and practices, I have recently dropped my Ethiopian cookbook, The Gorsha Guide, which is an ebook that shows you how to make 100% gluten free in Jeddah at home and 10 of the most popular vegan Ethiopian recipes. So, if you're somebody who loves getting a veggie combo at an Ethiopian restaurant, this guide is definitely for you. You will learn how to make all of these delicious foods at home. And I even show you how to incorporate some of these recipes in kind of a fusion way and add them to different bowls and salads and non-Ethiopian foods that you could have at home as well. So you can get your copy of the Gursha Guide at justonegursha.com where you can also explore more of my recipes. And if you're interested in diving in even deeper, the Secret Spice Academy, which allows you to go through an online course at your own pace to learn how to make delicious plant-based meals at home on a busy schedule. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Vegan for the Culture. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I want to hear what you think of this podcast and all of the reflections that you're having on your culture and how you want to incorporate that more into your own wellness journey. Have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll talk to you all soon.